The benefit of the doubt, which is a fresh way of looking at faith. Can we move from uh, looking at doubt as an enemy to being something quite, quite different? Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor here. A lot of you are connecting online. I'm really glad to be able to connect back with you. I can't see you. A lot of you are connecting live. I can see you and so glad that you have begun 2023 with this, uh, by worshiping at Good Shepherd and with this new series, The Benefit of the Doubt. Today's message, the first message in the series is called, I Don't Believe What I Just Saw. And uh, to help us move into that, it does come from the Bible. Hello. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And maybe your Bible looks like mine and it's a book and maybe yours is on your phone and either way, maybe you don't have it at all. Either way is okay. If you have it with you, go ahead and locate it. And uh, we're going to do something unusual with the Bible in the beginning of the message in just a moment that I, that I will uh, share to you, uh, share with you after we pray. Uh, and one of the reasons we're going to start out the message that we, the way we're going to start it out. We love the Bible here. We believe it is inspired and eternal and true. You may not believe that yet, but we, we in leadership do. We believe God breathed his life into its words and his truth is on its pages. And it really is the core of so much of what we do here. Uh, before I begin this message or say anything else, let's pray. So Father, thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you for your, your faithfulness to really, Lord, thank you for all the ways that we've been able to celebrate the name of Jesus already together this morning. And God, I call on that same name of Jesus in, in just a, a delight that I am powerless without you and an expectation that because of you, I'm never helpless. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I mentioned we're going to do something a little bit different as, as this message starts. And what I want to invite you to do is, especially if you have Matthew 28 on your Bible or you're able to see up on the screen, we're going to start by rising on your feet as you're able, as you're able, rise on your feet out of reverence and respect for the scripture. And we're going to read, this is the closing scene of the Gospel of Matthew. So Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's kind of giving his parting advice, his final instructions to his closest followers. And we, y'all are going to help me with this message. We are going to read this out loud and together, Matthew chapter 28 verses, and I might pause in the reading just to throw a little, so don't be upset if I do that, okay? So here we go, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Y'all did great. And you can have a seat. Did you, did you notice something tucked away in, in one of those verses in this closing resurrection scene? 
of the Gospel of Matthew. And, and I asked if you noticed this little thing tucked away because I have been reading the Gospel of Matthew for probably about 40 years, and I've been preaching resurrection stuff for over 30, and I had never noticed this little thing tucked away in one of the verses until like the last couple of months. And, it, and it's right there in chapter 28 in verse 17. When they saw him, meaning his 11, there's only 11 because there used to be 12, but one of them was Jesus, Judas, and he's now out of the picture, if you know what I mean. When they saw him, they worshiped him, semicolon, but some doubted. Oh my gosh. First of all, what was I noticing for 40 years that I had skimmed right over that and that I had not noticed it? But do you know what is amazing about that little phrase in Matthew chapter 28? Amazing. What is amazing about that little phrase is that Matthew, the author, the inspired author of the gospel of Matthew, he didn't have to include it. The story flows just fine without it. I mean, Matthew could have gone, when they saw him, they worshiped him, full stop. And then right on to verse 18, and then Jesus said to them, came and said to them, all authority has been given. He could have done that, but he didn't. And I'm so interested, why in the world, when the story flows just fine, why in the world does Matthew include what he could have left out? Why does he have this, oh, by the way, this aside that he just has to keep in the story? What in the world is going on, not only with these guys who doubted, but maybe even more importantly, with why is it that the inspired author includes that which we, if we wanted to protect the reputation of Jesus and his first followers, if you and I were writing the gospel of of Matthew, we would have just left it out to begin with because these guys these many believe but but some doubted they they have had this most unbelievable front row seat to history to to eternity to infinity and beyond for crying out loud I mean, they have been able to see no more than 500 people. I mean, 500 people at the very outer margins, 500 people in the whole history of earth were able to see what these men got to see, which is Jesus resurrected in the flesh, bloodied, but alive. I mean, you get that kind of privilege and you, that is the kind of privilege that is designed to remove every doubt you could have ever had. I mean, Jesus is there. He was dead and now he's alive. He, he, he's bloody, he's bruised, but he is very much alive. And these guys with this most incredible privilege in the human race, they get the front row seat to see it all in living color. And many believed, what, what, what? But some doubted. So why in the why did they 
doubt for, for one hand and why in the world did Matthew include it and what, what he could have so easily left out and what are we to glean from it as we start the year and as we start the series, the benefit of the doubt. And, and maybe, you know, the, perhaps one of the reasons that Matthew included this little detail, many believe, but some doubt it, is because I suspect that there are a whole lot of people here like these guys they they've seen it in living color but they can't believe what they just saw i mean just like jack buck on the call for the most unlikely world series home run of them all when when kirk gibson for the dodgers hits his and and jack buck says i don't believe what i just saw and it's exactly the way these guys are. Jesus is staring them in the face. There's no denying what is in front of them. And yet they don't believe what they just saw. And I don't know. Maybe there's some of you in the, who are in the same place. You've seen stuff for which there is no rational, logical explanation, but you don't believe what you just saw. You've heard stuff, but you don't believe what you just saw. And some of you have even felt stuff. You felt love. You felt warmth. You felt the tingles. You, you might have even felt it already this morning. But you don't believe what you just saw. And for some of you, the notion, that, that time of, I don't really believe what I just saw, what I just felt, what I just heard, it, it started at different stages for different of you hearing my voice. Some of you, you, you grew up in faith. You, you grew up, my, my parents brought me up in church, as they say. And yet then you went off to college and when you got into college, all those Sunday school answers all of a sudden seemed so insufficient. And you had that professor, and he took a, seemed to take a special delight in making you feel small for believing in a great big God, and all the cool kids left Jesus a long time ago, and you too, you don't believe what you used to believe. You don't believe what you just saw. And then others of you, may, maybe it was different. Maybe, maybe like me, you weren't raised in church. You, you're raised to disbelieve. And, and, and you're only here today because I don't know, that girl that you're going out with, she wanted you to come, or that guy you're interested in, he wanted to come. Or worst of all, you are someone else's, you, you're someone else's New Year's resolution. <laughs> and here you are. And it's very easy for you not to believe because not believing, doubting is sort of second nature to you. And, and then others of you, man, you, you have believed. You, you believed a lot. And then life got in the way. Life threw things your way. You, you, you believed and the loved one still died. You, you, you believed and... And the marriage still ended. You believed and the virus didn't go away. You believed and, and the veil might have lifted, but the depression never did. 
and you've seen stuff, you've felt stuff, you, you've thought stuff, but because of all the things that life has thrown out you, you do not believe anymore. So yeah, maybe one reason Matthew included what he could have so easily left out they believed, but some doubted, is because Matthew knew that hundreds of years, thousands of years after the events he describes and after the gospel he writes, Matthew knew that there would be people like you and there would be people like me who believed, wanted to believe, but do not believe what they just saw. Unless there's something else. Unless there's another reason why Matthew goes to great lengths to include what he could have left out. Because think of what Jesus could have done that day that he appears to them in, in resurrected glory in Matthew chapter 26. And, and, and think of what he could have done because he's the one who's gone through the trouble of rising from the dead. Can I hear an amen from that? He's gone through the crucifixion. He's had the days in the grave. He's risen again on the third day. And now he's showing himself to his closest followers. And when he realizes that some of his closest followers do not believe what they just saw, think of what he could have done. He could have said, losers, you all are off the team. You are now disqualified from being on my team. You, I have given you the privilege of seeing what almost no one else in the history of the world will ever see. And so because you didn't believe, you are now sidelined by your doubt. He could have done that. He, he, he could have said, guys, 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 you, you, you front row seat guys, we need to get a whole new slew of disciples because the good seats are going to be reserved for the good people. And because you didn't believe me when you saw me, you're not a good person anymore. He could have done any of that. He, you, 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 Jesus could have been well excused for saying to the doubters, this, this doubt not only disqualifies you, this doubt disqualifies you from having any kind of enduring impact for who I am and what I'm about. And yet that's the opposite of what he does. Because I love the way Matthew tells the story. Look again at verse 17 and where Jesus goes immediately. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And if you and I were writing the gospel of Matthew, our next sentence would be, and because of their doubt, Jesus disqualified them. Jesus sidelined them, kicked them off the team. But look what happens immediately, no break. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you, do you see that? They, they go from doubting to their next assignment with no gap in between. And in the way Jesus ministers and in the way Matthew tells it, it's so obvious that, that doubt is something much, much different than an enemy that puts you on the sidelines. Jesus has a very different purpose in doubt, design for doubt, response to doubt. He, he gives these guys the, the biggest deliverables in the history of the world. Hey, guys, take this message. Take what you're seeing now, me risen from the dead, and all I want you to do is go tell the world about it and turn the world upside down. And by and large, they did. The, 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 these men, the doubters, 
They took the message of the resurrection, the same message they did not believe. And against all odds, they took that word to the Mediterranean world. And upon the pain of death, they communicated the story of life. Because I don't know if you how this I, I don't know if you know how this worked for these very first followers of Jesus spreading the gospel around the Roman Empire a couple of thousand years ago. But the Roman Empire did not like this new religion, and so they would arrest a new Christian who's out there spreading the word, and and with a sword at his neck, they ask him, "Did Jesus rise from the dead?" And if you say yes, that means that, that eternal life is going to begin immediately, if you know what I mean. And if you say no, 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 never heard anything about the resurrection, then you save your own neck. Or they, they get arrested and the Roman Empire puts a sword at, at their neck. And, and the question is very simple. Is Jesus Lord or is Caesar Lord? And if you declare and affirm that Jesus is Lord, you discover in the most gruesome way possible how to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord because that's going to happen immediately. On the other hand, if you say Caesar is Lord, you save your neck. And these guys, against all odds, and, and with that threat immediately upon them again and again and again, they declared their faith in the same resurrection they had once doubted, and they affirmed their allegiance in the Lord and that knowing that same allegiance was going to end their life. And when you put that together, when you know the history of what ended up happening, and when you understand the genius of how Matthew writes the story, you go from doubt to assignment with no gap at all in between. Here's what I want you to know, every one of you, and you've wondered because of life, what, what life brought you, or because of all those smart people in college, or because you're someone else's New Year's resolution, and you have figured, yeah, my doubt means that God could never use me for anything significant. Here's what I want you to know. Doubt does not disqualify you from impact. It prepares you for influence. D doubt is not some sort of enemy that sidelines you. Doubt, properly understood, is instead a friend that prepares you for a different level of impact than you would have had otherwise. Matthew, when, when, when we're curious about why, Matthew, why do you leave in what you could have left out? Why do you include what most authors, what we would exclude if we were writing this story? Matthew is like, I want you to know something good. There is a benefit to your doubt. And the benefit to your doubt is that in that doubt, when you have a faith that you test, when you have a faith that you measure, when you have a faith that you work through, on the other side of it, that faith will be stronger and more influential than it would have ever been otherwise. Amen. Doubt does not disqualify you. It doesn't disqualify you. Instead, it prepares you for a deeper level of influence than you would have ever had without it. Please know this. Doubt. Now, I, I don't believe that doubt is a good permanent dwelling place. But a short-term stay there never hurt anybody. Because I would much rather you have a faith that rather than just, well, I just, I just, I, I'm not going to question. I'm not going to think about it. I would much rather you have a faith that you test 
issues that you wrestle with, and then come through on the other side because you realize how terrible all the other alternatives are. And, and do you know why? Do you know why you will have more influence? on the other side of doubt than you would ever had if you never doubted in the first place? Because let, let's say, let, let's say you have someone in your life and you want them to say yes to Jesus. They haven't said yes to Jesus yet. By the way, yesterday, yesterday was the 40, my 44th birthday. Yeah. And you're like, wait, that don't make no sense. No, yesterday was 44 years ago that I became a Christian. My, my friend, because I was not a believer, and my friend shared his faith with me in the most compelling way. I, I guess I was his New Year's resolution, <laughs> or I was his assignment. And, and let's say you have, so, you have a situation like that in your life, and you have someone that you want to share Jesus with in a way that they say yes to Jesus and reserve their place in eternity. Well, what kind of faith do you think will be more persuasive to them? The kind of faith that's never tested and never questioned, and you just act like a know-it-all? Or one that says, yeah, I hear your doubts. I've had them too, but I've wrestled through them myself, and I have come to believe and to know that Christ in me is to live and to die is to gain. That the resurrected king really is resurrecting me. I know that in... In my own case, my, my sort of valley of the shadow of doubt, which happened after college and before ministry. Some of you are like, oh, good. I thought it was like last week. No, after college and, and, and before. And, and I was, you know, on a couple of occasions, I was quasi close to moving from doubt, which is I can't believe, to unbelief, which is I won't believe. And as I look back on that, that, that season has been tremendously helpful in ministry. Do, do you know why? Because so many people come to me with some of the same kind of seasons in their lives and some of the same kind of doubts and hang-ups in their lives. And it's so much better to be able to say, yeah, I, I have been there and here's how God brought me through it. And it'll be the same with you. Doubt does not disqualify you from impact. In fact, it is preparing you for influence. And then for others of you here, the, the kind of influence that it is preparing you for, you're, you're the one who has come in with the doubts. And you, you, you maybe wandered in, man, is there a benefit to my doubt? Because my doubt, you, you too know what I mean, where you are close to moving from doubting, I can't believe, to unbelief, I refuse to believe. And I have to believe that God has brought you into this gathering. God, God has brought you within the sound of my voice in large part to show you how hollow all the alternatives are. I don't know if you've considered that before. But, but if you're in this season of doubt and you've pondered walking away from the faith, I want you to take a good look at the alternatives. And when I talk about the alternatives, I mean whether it's atheism or agnosticism or Hinduism or Islam or voodooism or whatever. But you lay them side by side with the one who is resurrected from the dead, the one religious leader whose grave will never be a shrine because that grave is empty. 
and you lay those side by side, you will see how hollow and deceptive and less than all those alternatives are. And you will come be coming back. Instead of abandoning him, you will come back to the one who abandoned himself for you. Doubt does not disqualify you for impact. It is the fertile soil that God uses to prepare you for a kind of influence that you could not have had otherwise. So yeah, we've been conditioned to think that doubt is some kind of enemy. Oh, if, I'm, if I have a season of doubt, if I don't have every question answered, I can't share my faith. I can't work with students. I can't minister to children. I can't help someone else have a beautiful marriage. I can't lead someone else to faith. We've been conditioned to think that, that if we don't know all the answers, we can't do any of the work. Well, guess what? You'll never know it all, but you do know enough. You, you do know that Jesus lived and, and Jesus died and Jesus rose and Jesus reigns and Jesus is coming back. You know that. And, and when you know that, you're like, oh, I don't have to, have to, I, I don't have to answer every question because I don't know if you know this or not. Sometimes people ask questions of you and your faith. They don't really want an answer. They just want an advantage. And when you realize, I don't have to have every single possible question answered. And that will help you get to that place where doubt stops being an enemy and it starts being a friend. Because with this awareness that when you walk, work through it on the other side, you'll be better than you were before. Because after all, what does Jesus say at the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 20 and verse 29? Then Jesus told him, I think we're going to have that up on the screen. And then Jesus told him, and you're like, well, who's the him? The him there is Thomas, doubting Thomas. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and believe. That's you. And that's you. And that's you. You haven't technically seen but you have believed. Jesus allowed it. Matthew included it all so that you would be better because of it. Doubt doesn't disqualify a single person within the sound of my voice from impact. It is instead preparing you for influence. Let's pray. So God, thank you that you're a good God. Thank you that Matthew is a great writer. And thank you that he included this thing we would have left out. And I pray that every person here would now begin to understand that doubts they work through make them better, stronger, more enduring than they ever would have been before. And I pray these things with great assurance that you really are the way. For in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen.